the blast from our past network. Egan, Pinky here, the real star of Pinky in the Brain. And when we need a podcast to inspire us to take over the world, we always watch Corey and Zach on Podcasting After Dark. And then we're ready to take over the world. Nerf! Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark Presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is the Armageddon, Diallo Jackson, and Zach the Snack, Zach Schaefer. What's up, guys? Diallo, how's it going, my man? I'm doing good. Uh, I just wanted to say hello to the total snack, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the total snack Zach. Everyone wants to say hi to me. <laughs> I, I love how Adam started that, and now it's morphing into something else. <laughs> I'll take it. The total snack the total Zach Schaefer. The, the total snackage. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait to do our wrestling episode. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, man. And we'll all get to pick a wrestling name from the 80s we're gonna have to get like a ring announcer to announce each of us in that episode yeah we're gonna ding ding (laughs) 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 feeling good uh, feeling right and if you guys don't know what we're talking about listen to the last episode of tv obscura we we kind of discussed it and workshopped it at the end and uh yeah we're definitely going to do a wrestling centric tv obscura one of these days but not right now Now we have a nice, fun little cartoon episode. As you guys and gals all know, we kind of do a little leapfrog thing. One week we'll do live action. One week we'll do uh, cartoons. And uh, this is the cartoon week. And boy, oh boy, we got some good ones for you all. Starting off will be Diallo, and he'll be talking about Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. And this came out in 1976. Then I will be discussing Thundar the Barbarian, and that came out in 1980. And then Zach will be bringing us home with Visionaries. Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light. Ba-da-boom, ba-da-boom. Visionaries, Magical Powers Take Flight. Ba-da-boom, ba-da-boom. Magical Powers Oh man. <laughs> oh, oh boy, boy. oh boy. <laughs> We're gonna have us some fun. Uh but before we jump into uh Diallo's pick and everything, uh buddy, what what have you been up to, man? How are how's the podcasting scene going for you and everything right now? Uh it's going pretty good. Uh doing the first Noel podcast, first Noel Chronicles podcast. Um as you know, I uh, moved to a weekly schedule, which is um, it's kind of killing me, but in a good way. Um, <laughs> and buddy, I trust me, I know the feeling. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of work to, especially you know, I have, I'm writing and editing, um, yeah. and I do it all in novel form, and then I read, and you know, and I'm not a voice actor or anything, so it's all it's all that part's kind of new to me. Um, so, and then. Uh, 
recording and then editing and then getting all the artwork together. Um, and then like, so moving to a weekly schedule has been a challenge, but it's one of those good challenges where I feel very, uh, like invigorated and purposeful at the end. So it's all worth yeah. it. So, and I'm, I'm glad I'm getting momentum with it. Cause I'm, we are, now that we've gotten the, uh, sort of introductory chapters out of the way, we're starting to get into the actual adventure of the story. So. And, and I know it is a lot of work, and I know you're putting a lot of work into it, but at the end of the day, you're having fun, and I think that's what comes through, yeah. and uh, I think that's what's important. Yeah, the, totally. the, the fun part is just, like, I, I finished the last episode, and I was like, wow, this is, this is really fun, and that's all I really care about at the end. So um, can't wait to keep going, keep people to find it, um, and then when we get to the end, everyone will be satisfied, and hopefully we'll be crying at the same time. It'll be really fun. <laughs> perfect absolutely perfect uh zach we've been having a good time we actually just recorded our wrap up after dark episode just a few hours ago uh we had a lot of fun with that and uh yeah you guys are wrapping up uh wraith timber over a two dollar late fee with the matthew perry interview that's live now so everyone should be checking that out as the official conclusion to the $2 late fee podcasting after dark Wraith Timber crossover event. What a mouthful. Yes, Matthew Barry and uh, I, uh, Matthew Perry could work too. Oh, did I say, <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say Matthew Perry? Yeah, Perry's? you did my, say that Matthew was, Perry. My bad, but my I did, bad. I, I'm like, no, 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 let, it, like, let it go, let it like, go. wait a minute. <laughs> Matthew Barry, I think, uh, has all his teeth in his mouth, unlike yeah. Matthew Perry. Yes. Ooh. Um, anyways, low blow, low blow, coming in. <laughs> yeah, low blow, but is it really a low blow? But um, yeah, no, we've been rocking and rolling. I, I'm, I'm already starting to break down the next movie for Podcasting After Dark, the PG pick. Uh, which has not been revealed just yet. It will be revealed soon, and it's a good one. It's a good one. It's definitely a, whoa, I did not see that one coming, or it, did it, I, yes, David it, Irons? It, wink, wink. Yeah, it's not even revealed to me. Uh, I plan on, I think I'm going to try to open it either tomorrow or uh, Thursday. Um, it's yeah. all just, I've just been back-to-back work. It's like record, edit, watch something, record, edit, watch. It's like nonstop, you know? So I'm just waiting for like a free second so I can actually enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to do it with fun versus like, okay, I got to do it to be, and then move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Totally. I, I mean, this week has been a little bonkers for us too. Uh, we just, we just finished, uh, we did our first live in studio interview on our YouTube live page, which is worth checking out. I think everybody should check it out. It's a lot of fun. We did it with a North shore reunion with Matt Adler and John Philbin, nice. uh, Rick Kane and turtle. And uh, really cool dudes. It was so nice to be back in the studio and do something in person for a change. And um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Things are not changing in some degrees, but in some other, you know, if people are being smart and conscious and getting vaccinated, then we can do some normal shit. So it's kind of nice to do some normal shit for once. Uh, That was two years to the day, right? From uh, when you did the previous interview? Yeah, how trippy is this? So two years ago, uh, Dustin and I on $2 interviewed John Philbin at my house, which was very surreal. (laughs) He's like, I was like, uh, he goes, where where do you guys want to do the interview? And I was about to say real voice. He's like, at your house? And I go, okay. So he just came over and did it there. Little did I know, two years later, we we would be in the studio with him again, John Philbin and Matt Adler reminiscing and talking about North Shore. That's crazy. That's really crazy. 
Yeah, that's it awesome. is really. I'm some, there's something to be said about that. I'm going to take it as a sign from the gods that what we are doing right now in this podcast universe is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. So, right. word to your mother, visionaries. We're the vision. <laughs> we're the visionaries. And I do believe that, dude. As 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 hectic as things have been uh, lately, they're a good hectic, like Diallo said, and like you said. I believe that we're on the right path here because it's a lot of fun. And at the end of the day. We're just watching cartoons and talking about them. So how hard is that? Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna jump, jump, oh, uh, jump in really quick and say that uh, I would give, I would make uh, Diallo probably the, I'll give him the, 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 uh, the cheetah because he's, you know, running all the time and jogging and, and never stops quitting. I would get, I would say Corey is the, uh, the, the wolf. Or no, no, sorry, the bear. The bear. Big and hairy. <laughs> um, I'll take the. I might take the wolf for the fox, I guess. But none of us will be a mollusk. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. If you, you don't know what we're talking villain, about, you make the villain a fucking mollusk. And we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, I was gonna say if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll we'll get You'll to that. Find we'll out. Get that. You'll find out. Mollusk? Uh, <laughs> mollusk? What the hell, man? Uh, all right. Before we get to visionaries, we have to talk, of course, about Tarzan. Lord of the Jungle, Diallo. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to insert the fucking Chewbacca one from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> the worst fucking Tarzan out there ever. Uh, Diallo, take us into the machine. Take us back in time, baby. Yeah. 1976. <laughs> Setting the way back machine to 1976, a young Diallo Jackson in his pajamas would sit down in front of the television and watch. Uh, I think we had a color television, too, back then, actually. Um, we would watch. Brag. Uh, <laughs> it was like a 13-inch. A 13-inch, <laughs> a, a but it was, like, so big, and it took up the entire, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole body room. of it is massive. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Thir- Thirteen inches is that plenty. TV hey, with, uh, hey, that TV was with. Hey, that TV was with us for a while. That was like, whew. anyways. Um, yeah. So yeah, Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, uh, came on Saturday mornings on CBS. Um, it ran from 1976 to uh, like with original episodes up until 1979. Um, and then it ran in reruns all the way up until 1981. Um, so the first season was Tarzan, and then the second, the the pre, the seasons after they were always paired with other shows. So um, it was uh, Tarzan and um, the Batman Hour, and then Tarzan and the Super Seven, which was a bunch of different um, uh, superheroes. One, uh, one of which was if we uh, flash back to our cartoon crushes, um, yeah. my, one of my cartoon crushes was a uh, character Manta, and uh, oh, from man. Manta and Moray, and that was one of the cartoons that was on Tarzan oh. and Super Seven. Um, okay. And then there wait, was wait, real quick. Did did the does the company Super Seven get their name as an homage to that? Um, I don't know, Zach. Do you know? I'm gonna say no, but uh, but I would not. I mean, it is a filmation cartoon, and they are they get boners for filmation. So uh, yeah, so maybe I mean, might have been yeah. um, inspired from that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, that guy Brian Flynn is pretty knowledgeable about stuff, but 
I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> Super 7, they had like a bunch of different, uh, you know, 10, 15 minute cartoons. There was one with like Isis, Sinbad, uh, Hercules, uh, Kid Samurai, I think his name was, or Kenji the, Kenji the Shogun or something like that. Anyways, so um, cool. uh, so cool. yeah. Uh, then uh, the last two seasons, uh, there was it was Tarzan and the Lone Ranger, which the Lone Ranger was another one of my favorites uh, growing up. And Ditto. then the last season of it was Tarzan, the Lone Ranger, and Zorro Hour, which was actually pretty amazing. The Zorro cartoon was another favorite of mine. Um, did you have the figures? Did you have those little? Uh, no, I think Migo might have put them out. Yeah, me, they I were think so Migo cool. Did, yeah, I didn't have them, oh, they, but yeah. yeah, they were. Those were. I don't know if you had those, Corey, but they were like three and three quarter figures. They made them for the Zorro and and Lone Ranger cartoons based on the cartoons. Um, but they came with like all the accessories, like little guns, little knives. Um, Zorro had a cape. They were so detailed, especially for the time, and they had horses to sit on and. I mean, they made like General Custard and oh, they were so, yeah, so cool. Yeah, they were really cool. They were really cool. I'm, I'm looking them toys. up while you're, while you're, you know, talking about them. Um, I don't think I owned one. Uh, I might have seen them in like loose toy piles or something, but I, I don't think I ever owned one. I know what you're talking about, though. They're so neat, though. They, yeah. they were like, oh, they're, oh, they're so cool. And, and Diablo, you said it was a part of a, like, so basically. They didn't coincide. It was like 15 minutes for one show, 15 minutes for another, and then the yeah, other one, Yeah, right? like, yeah, because, okay. like, the Tarzan cartoons were about, yeah, they were their sort of like your standard 20 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes. Um, and I, but they, I think, um, well, the Tarzan, the Tarzan Lone Ranger Zorro was a 90 minute show. Um, and they were like, have full episodes. But when they, okay. when it was with Tarzan and the Super Seven, those episodes were more of like, you know, this, uh, they had like Super Stretcher Micro Woman that was like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, Web Woman was like five, uh, five minutes or 10 minutes. And they would, there would be a bunch of them in the, in the episode. And then Tarzan would be a full, like 30 minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh, so they kept Tarzan to be like a full one then. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing with like Batman Tarzan Hour would be like an episode of Batman, an episode of Tarzan. So, okay, okay. Yeah. And that, I think, I if I recall correctly, that Batman cartoon was the one where they had, it was like the bat, the new adventures of Batman, and that's when they had Batmite. I don't know if you remember that, I do. that character. Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah, of that's the of one. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where they had Batman Robin, and then Batmite was the, uh, was the side character on there. He was... Hold it, hold okay. it, holding it down for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Tarzan, uh, Lord of the Jungle. It was, um, it, it was by Filmation. Um, it was in that same, you know, Filmation style that, um, almost all the cartoons had where it was a rotoscoped where they used a lot of the animation over and over and over. Um, but for me, I think it was, I think it was one of the earlier um, cartoons um, since it came out in the 70s and they, you know, they were making cartoons all the way up into like, like the late 80s. Um, but in that early, that early stage with, between them and um, Flash Gordon, I think the artwork was a little bit more original and um, fanciful. Um, it felt, it felt more, you know, it's like when I'm watching anime versus when I'm watching um, like American cartoons, you see more detail, you see more lines in it. It yeah. looks a little bit more kinetic. I feel that when I'm watching like Tarzan and Flash Gordon versus some of the later filmation cartoons. Um, so 
the the one thing about Tarzan that really you know I can really appreciate it now at versus then I I mean I loved it as a kid but watching it now it's like the way they drew the jungle the way they did the water um, he does a lot of acrobats and obviously yeah. those moves were were done over and over but just the yeah. way that they rotoscoped them was just it was like actually beautiful it's the word I would use yeah. for it now I wouldn't have used that when I was five or six you know but i watching it now just the way he kind of floated through the air he was strong but graceful um and a lot of that translated into that tarzan cartoon that they uh animated movie that they made up by disney um i when i kind of look back at that i'm kind of like seeing some of the um sort of like the the fluid references that they had in in the animated versions versus like the live action that they can do um, yeah, because I like in this one, you, he does a lot of like acrobatic type of stuff, yeah. and uh, it, so it actually it makes it much more interesting than just watching somebody punch somebody because yeah. he's doing like things that you kind of don't see in animation, even though it's yeah. like clearly rotoscoped. Um, but I my note, uh, one of the couple notes uh, was the animation's very strong. Uh, I watched the first episode, but the other one was uh, the I said the jungle looks very interesting, and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to like how to put it but basically what you're saying i agree like the jungle looks pretty like i like it i like the world that they're creating it feels like pseudo realistic but still at the same time there's a little bit of whimsy to it but they feel like they really try to ground it in reality yeah yeah it didn't have that uh i mean it was almost i mean obviously the subject matter of the cartoons was kind of out there but it never was like it, it always felt like they kind of took it seriously. And again, like I go back to that first season of um, uh, Flash Gordon, like they, they were very much like, no, this is this is what's happening. And it's very serious. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even even if the concepts were out there, they were like they approached it from a, like a, a serious uh, um, aspect as opposed to some of the other um, episodes. There's always like a little feeling of tongue and cheese. And, you know, like I, I'm not I'm not dissing on he-man by any stretch because obviously we love it to death but when i'm i kind of compare the two there's like a little nudge nudge wink wink this is a cartoon when it comes to he-man just even the way the everything's colored and um you know the the detail isn't as good um versus like tarzan it's very much we're taking this seriously and it just happens to be um have more pulp roots, I think, which is a note that I actually kind of pulled from like rewatching this and thinking about how, you know, it definitely is a pretty faithful adaption to a lot of the novels um, and the comic strips that came out where it had that pulp um, serial feel that um, Flash Gordon had and John Carter Mars. So, yeah. 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 yeah you definitely get the vibe throughout the whole thing. And I, I agree, like, He Man was. Uh, while they're both geared towards kids, He-Man, I think, because there was such a huge toy component behind it, mm-hmm. they were going for a different vibe and had to probably work faster, perhaps, mm-hmm. and at a tighter schedule. So maybe that's why it's, you know, a little lazier in the animation department. Um, not I would say, I would I say efficient. I would say efficient. I wouldn't yeah, say lazy. I, yeah. I, yeah, lazy is a terrible word because yeah. these guys were working their asses off, and this was a time when everything was hand-drawn. That goes back to what you both were saying about the uh, the background of the jungle. You know, there, there, there are animators working on this with their hands. They're not using computers. They're using, you know, paint and, and pencil and marker and whatever. And it's, it's insane to think about 
what they were able to accomplish back then you know how many frames per second like 12 frames per second or something like that i don't know maybe more than that for each little movement and it's it's insane and you totally see the you know what he-man reused um especially like i think in the first five minutes of the episode one when yeah. tarzan drops down <laughs> to the ground and you get a shot from his legs and you're like oh that's a he-man shot you know <laughs> which is which is cool i love that stuff yeah. I, I know some people are like it's recycled no i love that it's what james etock our friend james etock was able to do with the return of faker for his uh filmation inspired episode that he made and and you know basically taking the original material and then redrawing over it that that's awesome i think that's so cool as someone who loves to draw but doesn't think they're very good at it i think it's fascinating to me so i could just spend all day watching these cartoons especially tarzan just watching it all day because it's so well crafted yeah Yeah. my my takeaway when i was watching it was how well how well made it was and how much i felt like how much love was put into it i think we all we all watched the first episode right mm-hmm. um, i did yeah the yeah. city of lost whatever gold or yeah so yeah something like that city and of gold I, and i was like the whole time i was like they're really trying to like go for it i feel like they were trying to make something that was uh you know really respectful to the source material and not like a just a cash grab type of thing like i felt like they were actually trying to to do something with it and even the first episode so it had like a strong moral message, but it didn't feel like it was just tacked on at the end like He-Man was. This is like they actually incorporated the moral message like into the story, into mm. the actual like <laughs> plot of the story. When when at the end, uh, he like he uh, Tarzan has to fight this gladiator guy. He kind of beats him, but lets him live. And then later the guy comes back and actually rescues Tarzan. And it's it was really good, and it felt natural. And I was like, I get it. It's like you're giving us a moral. But at the same time, it, just, it felt natural, and I really liked it. Uh, I really liked how Tarzan seemed to be that that perfect good kind of guy, you know, that Superman good that, you you know, doesn't always exist. But at the same time, you want to believe that kind of person exists to the point where, like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but every time he asked people to, or uh, I'm sorry, animals to help him, he always complimented them. He's like, oh, you're so strong and resourceful. I appreciate everything you did. And then even when he fights the panther, first off, he tackles that motherfucker out of midair, which is great. But then he's like talking to him. He's like, look, panther, I respect you as a hunter, but you need to leave this person alone. And I'm like... He's so nice to all the animals, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he yeah he calls them all by their names, uh, which are names that are from the novels, you know. Often, yeah. One of the things about the show is like like how respectful he is. Well, you were saying how respectful he is, but it's like one of the um, his relationship with the jungle is a part of his whole deal, right? And yeah. so, you know, like when they when they have it's a problem that they have with like the live action versions of Tarzan because they're not able to, you know, have that. He, he's not able to have that same rapport that he has right. like with the animals. Right. Um, they 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 get about it in certain ways. But like in in Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, it's actually it's actually really close to the novel series. He actually speaks the lay, like uh, the jungle language that he does in the books, and he's often saying that stuff to the animals, and that they kind of obey his commands. So, like in a way, he's kind of like a, um, he's like a jungle Aquaman, like yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like <laughs> much more effective than Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> but like he has like he can talk basically talk to the animals, but it's not like a superpower. It's more of his 
it's just kind of like that's where he grew up and he you know knows the whole deal but anyway and and what i noticed like when he in this episode where he's like the gorillas capture this girl um who she's hot and uh like (laughs) he's speaking like this language to him and it's cool because they don't like explain it you just have to figure oh it's just their language you know and i like that he's like He's not like he can't control them. He's like actually just asking them, just like, hey, let her go, and I'll mean you no harm. You know, we're cool. And he actually knew the gorilla, and the gorilla kind of didn't let him go. So he kind of, but he doesn't like hurt the gorilla. He's like, look, dude, you're, you're being a jerk, and I'm gonna, I gotta do this now. Right. You know, it's, right. it's, he very much lives with the animals, and I, I really, really liked it. I, I liked the Tarzan cartoon more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because the animation style is, is just very good in, in that filmation style and everything and again everything zach said none of that turns us off you know like you said that zach we're not turned off by the fact that like you know they reuse animation and stuff it's just it was it's just the filmation thing i mean i noticed that when i was a kid and it didn't bother me it never did um i will say in the thunder of the barbarian um on the blu-ray disc there's an 18 minute documentary uh on the making of thunder and one thing they do talk about is the quote-unquote limited animation style of the show and that's and that is essentially what he-man is their their term they're they're actually called limited animation style because you don't animate every single uh minute of of everything you try to reuse as much as possible and honestly it all comes down to from them what they were saying it all comes down to budget because they would develop they would develop a show and pitch it but they wouldn't put any like money into it till the till a studio or or a, a you know publisher or what should i say like nbc or something would give them the money to develop it but the guys were like always it would be not enough money you needed and the the deadline was like right around the corner so like you had to cut whatever corners you could cut and it basically just boils down to budget yeah i will i will tell you that uh being friends with dudes that used to work at filmation towards the tail end of the uh the studio working on like brave star and she-ra and stuff like that they were not getting paid uh, they, they they did not they don't get residuals or they no. didn't get residuals. Uh, I think one of my friends was like, yeah, I got like a box full of toys one day, <laughs> and it was like a grab bag of like random toys that that he wasn't even interested in. He's like, that was my bonus, you know. <laughs> and uh, they, they paid them pennies and they worked like 14, 18 hour days. You know, yeah. these guys are. It it makes sense why we animate the way we animate now efficiently wise but but if you look back at the cartoons all three that we're talking about today then all three were different time periods obviously um it's interesting to kind of see the evolution of all three of these like yeah. where we went because mm-hmm. they all take place in you know two of them are in the 80s but but both of them but they're separated by quite a few years um well, it's also interesting, not just the styles and stuff, but we're going to get to Visionaries, and that is clearly a cartoon based to sell toys. Now, I'm not saying that that's yeah. a negative thing. I'm not saying that, that there's any judgment on that, but you can tell right out of the gate they knew exactly what they were, they were going to do with it and everything, whereas when you're watching Tarzan, you can tell they're trying to just make a cartoon and tell a story and everything. And I'm sure maybe I'm sure they thought about merchandising and stuff. Sure. But you can tell that visionaries on the other end of that spectrum, visionaries is built to sell toys. Totally. And I, I'm not disagreeing at all on that. And I wish that I had had toys of these two cartoons, Tarzan and Thunder, because <laughs> they didn't. You're right. They were not marketing toys at this time, but I wish they were because knowing what, we figured out with He-Man and moving forward from that, 
kids like to hold on to the figures of the of the of what they're looking at on screen you know yeah. star wars changed all that actually you know where you're holding your skywalker in your hand you're getting further the adventures of yeah with this thing or continue the one you just saw on tv i love that i love and i miss that 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 um i kind of see it now with my son you know where he gets into shows and he's got the guys with him and he kind of continues the the adventures i think that's awesome I, I don't think there's anything wrong with selling a product just make sure whatever you're using vehicle wise to sell the product is good and the yeah. writing is good you know yeah. and yeah. solid yeah That'd i mean it's fun yeah it was a whole, I mean, it was a completely different time then. And, you know, that I think it was, uh, totally, I think it totally. was, uh, I think He-Man was the first cartoon that was allowed to have either that or G.I. Joe. It was like the first cartoon that was allowed to have like toys as, as a vehicle for, or, or a cartoon as a vehicle for toys, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, cause I le- like, le- yeah, yeah, Le yeah, he man was cause like legally they weren't allowed to do it. I remember there was like some case no. in like 82 or something that they actually finally could do it. Um, which is really and- interesting if you think about it, because I don't know, just be- being a parent and, and, and also the three of us loving toys and I don't see any harm in it. I understand it's like a consumeristic thing and I don't know, I Bring but, it on, baby. But, but how yeah. much, like, but if it is, a, like, a, a consumer capitalism thing. But at the same time, those toys, the same toys fed all three of our imaginations. Exactly. And, and now all three of us are highly creative, highly imaginative people. So would we have been that way without the toys and the cartoons and everything that we grew up with, you know? Well, it, it's interesting you say that because I remember distinct, distinctly um, – being told by one family member uh you know that use your own imagination you know and you don't need to use that toy why do you play with toys you should be out in the woods with a stick and it's like yeah but i like action figures (laughs) (laughs) come on i don't want to play with a stick (laughs) and and there's nothing wrong with like designing things to also look like toys like diallo ears your your project ears that that you've been working on that i I always every time i see anything like that i'm like i can see those as toys i can see those as statues i can see those as cartoons and stuff Mm -hmm. but there's i don't think there's anything wrong with designing something and saying you know what this would also make a pretty freaking cool toy too yeah no i I mean i i'm not saying it sir i guess i'm saying is like the difference is like tarzan any any of those cartoons that led up to he-man before he-man they were made and then it was like the toys and merchandising was like an after effect yeah right yeah but like he-man it was like oh we have a toy we want to sell it and we're going to make a cartoon to sell the toy and it's a there's yeah. like a little bit different and you know uh at the at the end functionally i mean i played with like they actually did have like amigo tarzan figure that was mostly kind of based on the cartoon he had like a like a lion loin, oh yeah like, i remember that yeah. the big dolls the dolls yeah yeah, yeah. so you know and i had like again i had all the the amigo superheroes um and they, but it just was that they weren't based on the super friends they just kind of were like this is batman superman whatever yeah. and, you know i played with the the big gi joes and that kind of stuff so there, i mean there were always toys <laughs> you know i had i had, yeah. I had a I remember I had a star trek figure Mego figures when I was growing up in the enterprise and six million dollar man I had all that stuff so it wasn't like none of it 
existed as any of these things in existence as toys. But again, it was just like after from He-Man on, it was like, I have some toys. Let's make a show. And that there's like yeah. a slightly oh, yeah, totally. different thing um, that goes along with that. But yeah, again, end of the day, like as a kid, I didn't care, whatever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, like, I you got I the was... best of both worlds for the ones that actually ended up being good, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm looking back and I'm like, man, I wish there were toys for all these other shows. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, I wish there, there's, a, there are. I mean, that's part part of the toy market now is like them making toys for stuff that we never really got good figures for. So or, yeah, making or the I toys there, we always wanted. Or I wish there were shows for toys that we had uh, that we didn't have shows for, like Air Raiders or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like something cool like that, and then you, then you see what happens dope. when the, when a toy line doesn't have a toy a show to keep it going, it yeah. just it withers and dies on the vine. You know, so that's the sad like, part for me is like I I really I, that's it breaks my heart a little bit because there's some really good cartoons that the toys don't sell uh, that Thundercats yeah. cartoon and yeah there's there a Green Lantern cartoon 2012 that cartoon was really good and just. They didn't sell enough toys. I think Young Justice was the same. It was selling to the wrong demographic, so they canceled it. It's like stuff like yeah. that. But, yeah. Uh, and then you've got cartoons that were cool, and the toy line sucked, like mm-hmm. uh, Bionic 6. Mm-hmm. You know, those <laughs> yeah. big clunky metal figures. Yeah, that's right. They were so heavy, and they just broke all the time yeah. because they were just so heavy. They were weird. But the cartoon made. was cool. That was by Galoob, and then, right? Yeah. And then Jason the Wheel Warriors never put out – figures that were based on the cartoon yeah they yeah. didn't look like the cartoon version they, they should they have were, they were like at least with the human versions you know yeah, didn't. come on yeah yeah um anyways D- diallo yeah. we didn't mention who did the voice of Tarzan. oh yeah uh yes and, and, and it's the same person who yeah. does the voice of thunder the barbarian zach yeah. i mentioned before diallo jumped online i said it's the colonel and he goes colonel sanders and i'm like you don't know <laughs> and i'm like hold on let me tell you on air zach it is robert Rid- ridgley who played the colonel in, in Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Yeah, yeah, buddy. He's fucking Thundar and Tarzan. Yeah. Hello, Eddie. I, uh, Jack tells me you've got a big cock. Can you see it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. <laughs> fucking the colonel, bro. Well, that, that photo of Tarzan deep-throating, uh, you know, hey, his giant yeah. Slim Jim is uh, even more fitting. Yeah, uh, guys and gals, the cover for Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, is quite, <laughs> quite unfortunate. Quite unfortunate. The, it is, the, so, the little it logo. is so ambiguously gay yeah. duo animation. Yeah. When you it said is. that, it's really. funny because I, I, I'd seen that. It used to be the, the the little bumper for the cartoon before they went to the commercial. Went to commercial, and and I just I never saw it. Until you said that. <laughs> of course, like, oh. I was going to be the one to notice that yeah, one, buddy. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess it's a perfect segue into Thunder the Barbarian. So, guys and gals, Thunder the Barbarian was a Saturday morning cartoon created by Steve Gerber and produced by Ruby Spears Production. Steve Gerber is best known for co-creating Howard the Duck and for writing a character-defining run on Man-Thing. Good old Man-Thing. Man-Thing, oh, yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, Ruby Spears Productions was created by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, two writers known for working on the Scooby-Doo Where Are You uh, cartoon and working under Hanna-Barbera. So that was, you know, that's their pedigree right there. 
Uh, Thundar ran for two seasons on ABC and then re-ran on NBC in 1983. The main characters and villains, mostly uh, kind of like what you see in the opening trailer and stuff like that, or the, the opening for the show, uh, they were designed by artist Alex Toth, uh, best known for Space Ghost, Herculoids, Birdman, and Super Friends, uh, with secondary character designs by Jack friggin' Kirby when Alex Toth was unavailable to uh, continue like sort of working on the show. I don't know why he was unavailable at a certain point, but that's all I could find out. Uh, so, my oh, yeah, terrible getting Jack Kirby to fucking back you <laughs> up, you know? Oh, what a, yeah, what a, what a bummer. <laughs> right? But, I mean, that my God, this, that's why this show is so freaking amazing looking. Yeah. Hey, Corey, um, you were, I think when I was watching, uh, like, some months ago when I got the Blu-ray, I, did, I, I don't know if you remember, I, I was in the middle of watching episodes, and I texted you or something. I was like, did Jack Kirby do design some of these characters so that, like in my adult brain i made the connection it. yeah and i was like yeah ah, you could actually see it especially in um uh, ukla i really felt i felt a kirby influence even though i know alex taught the um but yeah there's something there's something kirby-esque about ukla I, yeah. I i agree with you there and you know i mean they're in the same circles and everything so yeah. i'm sure they inspired one another but Holy cow, the pedigree behind the camera or, you know, on this show is amazing. Then you got Thundar, voiced by Robert Ridley. We just talked about uh, the Colonel in Boogie Nights. Princess <laughs> Ariel is voiced by uh, Nellie Bellflower. Uh, she she actually has done, like, more, like, like visual stuff, uh, live action stuff. She did, like, Starsky and Hutch back in the day, uh, Barney, like an episode of Barney Miller and whatnot. Uh, but Ukla the Mock was voiced by Henry Corden, who was frickin' Fred Flintstone. I mean, a million other things, but frickin' Fred Flintstone. That's wild. And even better, the narrator that starts the show was oh, yeah. Dick Tufeld, which who he did the voice of the robot in Lost in Space, both the original and the remake. Probably the best thing about the remake was the fact that they still used the, the original <laughs> voice. Um, but... So, so to the, the, the idea behind Thunder the Barbarian is that uh, it, the world kind of has a catastrophe. And, you know, the near future of 1994, uh, the intro to the show kind of shows you the downfall of humanity. It's almost like a, a movie within a movie. I've always liked the intro to the show. It's great. Uh, a comet like passes between the earth and the moon and basically wipes out our atmosphere, destroying everything. It's that's a really intense thing to see as a kid. <laughs> Every <you know>? episode. <laughs> yeah. And so, and they talked about, um, the, you know, uh, spear, you know, Steve Gerber, I think I think Joe Ruby and Ken Spears were also on the uh, do, the making of the documentary. Diablo, you have it. I highly recommend it. Um, it's really good. But they talked about the fact that, you know, they wanted to make a cartoon. Obviously, it's a Saturday morning cartoon. It's for, it's for kids, but they really wanted to make it mature. And the rationale, which I think is great, he, uh, they said – Kids always look forward. They never look back. They don't care about stuff that they feel is younger than them. They always want to move forward. So if we make a show that seems like it's more for adults, they will kind of last longer with the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also noted that it didn't get canceled uh, because of, of ratings or anything. It actually got canceled uh, to make room for uh, shit. Um, don't uh, don't say Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, no. What was uh, not Cagney and Lacey? What Laverne and Shirley? Okay, to make room for 
the Laverne Shirley like in space show or something. I remember there was a Laverne. Yeah, Shirley, there was like yeah, there was a Laverne yeah. and Shirley in the army, and there was Gilligan's Island that, that, in space. The yeah. Laverne and Shirley in the army. So yeah. they, I think the the idea was that Thundar was a bit too violent, and then Laverne and Shirley, I think, was a brand that they really wanted to push forward. So it actually wasn't due to ratings; it was actually getting good ratings. Um, but it's your typical. Like, episodic, uh, syndicated show. There isn't much connection between episode to episode, but you have Thundar, you have Ariel, the uh, Princess Ariel, and you have Ukla the Mock kind of going on adventures through a post-apocalyptic world. Every episode, they'll kind of be in someplace new, um, but also familiar at the same time. They'll be in Beverly Hills, and you'll see the Hollywood sign in the background, but everything will be destroyed. And what was cool was... You know, the designs of all the characters I freaking loved. I always liked post-apocalyptic stuff as a kid. But I'm watching it now, and I'm like, I think Thundar's an awesome character because even though he lives, he's like, he's this barbarian guy, but he's not dumb. He's actually kind of smart, you know? And, and he also, like, he doesn't, he's not fearful of, like, magic and all this kind of stuff. And then you have Princess Ariel, who's kind of like the knowledge character. In almost every episode, there's like, what? <laughs> Thunder's like, what is this? And she's like, it was called a subway. And then Thunder's always like, subway, you know. But and, but he was, he's not dumb though. He just, it, he just didn't know. He was, you know, he's raised as a barbarian. And then yeah. Ukla the Mock is of course, uh, very Chewbacca esque. We all know that. Um, but. I honestly think he really stands out from Chewbacca. I think his design is very strong. And I always liked. I'm not gonna lie. I'm Star Wars is life. You guys know that. I like Ukla the way he talks better than Chewbacca. I like <laughs> And as a kid, I fucking loved, 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 loved Ukla. And uh, before I turn it over to you guys, I, I love the show and everything. I showed it to my six-year-old nephew uh, last Saturday. I popped on two episodes because every Saturday I'm showing him like a new cartoon. I don't know if he necessarily liked it, but he didn't blink once for 22 minutes <laughs> as he, like, stared at the TV, kind of perplexed, kind of interested, but unblinking the entire time. I was like, Hilarious. yeah, dude, it's, it's a wild cartoon, man. So, uh, but yeah, I loved it as a kid. Uh, I think I saw it in, in, you know, in syndication. I remember it was one of those shows that I think I watched it really early on Saturday mornings. Like, I didn't catch it all the time because I think it was super early. Um, and I always kind of – it became sort of mythological in my head because I didn't see it every weekend. And then I would see it. And I'm like, oh, Thundar, yes. And then sometimes I think it was on Sundays too in reruns. And then Sundays hmm. I never got a chance to really watch much. So as a kid, I always wanted to watch every episode. But I didn't until I got the Blu-ray. And guys and gals, it holds up so well. So well. It's so good. Um, Diallo, I know you have the Blu-ray, and I know you were just watching it and everything. Yeah. Thoughts on Thunder of the Barbarian? Yeah, you know, I was growing up, it was, uh, I, I, again, I always go back to, like, I'm a little older than you guys. So, um, I, like, I was nine or ten, I think, when it, when it came on. Um, and that was one of the ones that I remember coming, like, you know, after the weekend, going back to school and we'd sit around and talk about it. And I would draw pictures and it, the, the center of all my pictures was like for years after that was like the moon split in half. That was like, <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, so cool. That was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like uh, I one of the things that I really like, again, like I'm, I appreciated it more watching the Blu-ray 
because as a kid, I just liked it because I liked it. It was kind of, but I think I was, I, as a kid, you kind of pick, you picked up on all of the obvious trying to capitalize off Star Wars stuff, it's like his sun sword and um, the Ookla kind of deal, the princess Ariel, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but watching it as an adult, I, you know, I, I really appreciated the, uh, the world building that it took yeah. to make it. Um, I also like really kind of like, um, resp- I, I'm realizing how there's a whole genre of, uh, fantasy that's post-apocalyptic yeah. and that, and I, fr- and like what that's, that was one of my first experiences deal like with that. And, um, I think, uh, we'll, we'll be speaking about another one in a little bit. Um, yep. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it was just like highly imaginative. Um, it had um, the, the, the it had like the the villains were very creative. I thought, um, yeah. yeah, just I you know I it's like I almost don't know what to say. It was just like a it's like my my uh, it was like an explosion of color and sound and uh, <laughs> the horse. It just there's so much to it, like the white horse the white horse that he rode. And, uh, and and I like and that Ookla's horse is different. Yeah, like it, it's like an alien mutant looking horse. It's re- yeah, so cool. And and, and I was just... I was like, why is he riding a different horse? But I honestly didn't care because it was cool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, it was. It, it's so good. And the the Blu-ray quality is is amazing. And yeah, it's uh, really I, good. you know, I didn't. I neglected to mention I love freaking love Princess Ariel uh, so much so that she made my list of uh, cartoon crushes. So guys and gals, go back and listen to that, and you can hear all me gush all about her. But man, oh man, is that every design is strong in this one? Uh, Zach, what are what were your thoughts on Thundar? Well, Thundar was uh, because it came out in 1980 was not on my radar yet because I was like four years old. So I don't even I was still you know, watching Sesame Street and Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers. And uh, my brother was a huge mark for Thundar, just loved Thundar and, um, you know, would like make his own sun sword and stuff like that. And, and, but so I went back and I watched, I would watch them like later down the road in reruns. I don't know if it was on like regular TV uh, or maybe it would pop up on Saturday morning cartoons and reruns. I, I don't remember, but I remember being awesome. And the fact that Jack Kirby had a hand in just the overall animation is so cool. Um, the, this, I, so I watched uh, The Secret of the Black Pearl. I rented, bought that one because I'm like, I'll just buy one and whatever. Have it forever. Um, and I watched it solo. And it was funny. I was watching it. And I'm like, it was the, the one where... Uh, Thunder is battling the groundlings, you know, that improv group. Yeah, the, I was just uh, about to say the improv group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, sorry. They were like mutated rats or something. Um, no, it, 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 it's so badass. It's such a badass cartoon. The concept's awesome. The music uh, reminded me, it felt like I've heard it in so many other Hanna-Barbera action cartoons oh, yeah. in, in a good way. Like, you know, I think that's another thing too, especially Transformers and all the Sunbow uh, cartoons have uh have that as well like where they recycle the music and they re reuse it it just sounded familiar to me but it was like that kind of like that late 70s the uh totally like time capsule late 70s early 80s kind of 
uh, I don't want to say disco, like Lalo Schifrin from uh, Enter the Nin- Enter the Dragon kind of music, <laughs> uh, with with a whole full orchestra, and it's so badass. The villain, what's the what's the main G- bad guy's name? Gemini. Yeah, Gemini. Yeah, yeah. He's he's so creepy looking. Yeah. Like he looks a little like Dark Side to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always as, thought I always thought he looked like Dark Side. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say he's the one that's like the most like Jack Kirby like. Yes. Yes. The, yeah, that one definitely gives off the the Kirby vibes for sure. Then when you said that, I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. Um, but I I do want to point out the one of the cast members on the show worth noting. Um, Yondo on the show, not to be confused with Guardians of the Galaxy Yondo, voiced by um, Michael Bell. And if you don't know who Michael Bell is, he's Duke from G.I. Joe. And he was also in Transformers. And I mean, he's been in he everything. Also in an episode of uh, Three's Company. <laughs> yes. Was he really? Right. <laughs> yeah, he was. He definitely yep. was. Actually, he was. he's like a legit uh, military guy, too. And... Um, I think he was in the army um, and really, really, really cool dude. Anyways, that stood out to me when I was looking at the cast members. I'm like, wait, what? And let's, let's go back to Robert Wrigley for a second. Robert Wrigley was in everything. He was in all the filmation stuff. He's just, he's a super prolific voice actor. I didn't even know that about him, that he was so, such a big deal in the biz. I literally found out today that that he was the colonel in fucking Boogie Nights. <laughs> and huge. I mean, now I'm dying to to rewatch Boogie Nights just for that. Uh, but yeah, man, like just looking through his IMDb, which I never did, did before. But yeah, he's got a lot of voice acting credits. It's it's wild. It's but it's funny. It's just he's got just as many voice acting credits as he does like acting credits. The man was a very busy dude. He was a busy dude. He did. Um, I mean, it's it's just see, it's like worth noting that all the different, all the different uh, cartoons that he did, you know, and and yeah, like you said, he did a lot of on screen stuff. But sh- and then you know he was in the Centurions and he was in the Incredible Hulk cartoon and and Strawberry Shortcake and like shit we grew all grew up on watching the New Duck, Adventures Duck of Flash Tales. Gordon. He was Duck- Ripcord in Ducktales. Yeah, dude, oh, like, wow. great stuff. So He was anyways. in Sky Commanders. He was Mike Summit in Sky Commanders. Oh, Sky Jesus Commanders freaking is, Christ, this is insanity. And then, and, then, and then he's also, he was on Chuck Norris and Centurions. Like you said, he was Rex He was Rex, uh, Rex Charger. I mean, anyways, fuck, man. I, we might have to do an all Robert Ridley uh, episode, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, I always thought he was just the colonel from, from Boogie Nights. I had no idea until today. Yeah. Wild, yeah. Wild, so I'm glad, wild I'm glad. indeed. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to get the Blu-ray of Thunder now. I just, uh, I, dude, I will get it. I, we're not getting paid by by Warner Brothers archives at all. But Diallo, you can you can back yeah. me up on this. It it's worth a, it, right? Yeah, it's definitely. You know, I don't I don't buy a lot of Blu-rays. Like I know you you're like always buying them, and I'm just I, I see when you buy them. But when yeah. I saw that they had when they, I saw when they had Thunder, I was like, oh man, I gotta get this, and um. Yeah, and when I when I put it in, it was just it was it was such a joy to be able to actually watch it in um, a quality format because um, you know a lot of times we're we're finding these episodes <laughs> you know and they're they're not yeah. always they're not always the best quality but it was just, it was so good to watch it and not just that it was actually um, 
you know, it wasn't even like DVD quality. I mean, it was like Blu-ray, high resolution. The sound was great. It just, it was really, it was, it was such a joy to, to be able to watch it in um, Blu-ray. Um, yeah, to, to the point, like to your point, I was going to actually bring, uh, well, was it Galtar uh, to the yeah, show uh, with yeah. this episode? But none of us could find it like on YouTube or anything, Daily Motion, all that kind of shit. And I was like, well, you know, I probably can't really talk about Gal- Galtar without having a background in, in Thunder, uh, Thundercats, Thunder of the Barbarian, you know, so it kind of mm-hmm. worked out. But that is a point. The point is, is that like. Sometimes we can't even find these shows to actually, uh, you know, talk about them and rewatch them, let alone have such a good quality of it. And I'm, I assume, uh, Zach, the version you bought, like, well, off iTunes or whatever, is probably yeah. the same in thing, same thing Diallo and I have. Yeah, I think so. So the quality, you saw the quality looks oh, amazing. Yeah, it, it, it makes, you know, I have bootleg cartoons of stuff that, that'll never see the light of day, unfortunately. Um on on dvd or blu-ray and and yeah you just you you can tell the difference yeah it's so nice being able to watch these these cartoons like totally restored and uh you know i will say going back to tarzan it had the bumpers on the daily motion yeah um, yeah which is always so cool to see the bumpers they did that on the 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 the, um gi joe cartoons they have bumpers on there too so is that channel on youtube still there with gi joe where they just play the videos back to back i think so hasbro owns that so hasbro has put out the full like transformer season one yeah. and gi joe season one yeah, Ugh, so say, good yeah. and yeah. i think um uh, uh ghost core is doing the same with uh, the real ghostbusters and extreme ghostbusters they were like releasing a new oh, episode wow. like on saturdays and then they kind of stopped and then everybody kind of you know was like why did you stop and they're like oh sorry they're like we didn't okay well we're, we're back at it <laughs> so oh, we're like cool. we didn't know you guys cared that much but all right well we'll keep doing it then so yeah it's 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 nice it's nice um, yeah, extreme I ghostbusters do. man we got to cover that that's that's oh, a good yeah. one by the way i watched extreme extreme ghostbusters for the first time like six years ago or something because it was on hulu and it's really dark and it's like it's not PG-13, but it's, like, the equivalent of PG-13. Like, they deal with some shit in that. Especially, they do an episode where kids are getting, like, taken and shit. Like, wow. it's wild. Extreme yeah. Ghostbusters has got some good, good stuff. Yeah, there's one with a giant maggot that Damn. is terrifying. <laughs> it's, like, preys on all their fears and everything. It's great. Yeah. Hey, before, you know we, before we move on, guys, I need to tell you that... Uh, I mean, I think I've told you this before, Corey, but there there was an episode of Thunder that scarred me for a significant portion of my childhood. Okay, and, um, <laughs> and it wasn't the opening where the where the earth, where the moon breaks in half. <laughs> no, because no, that scarred me. <laughs> yeah, no, because this was actually so. There was a, it was kind of. I, I always remember. I remember watching it at the time. It was at the beginning of the episode, and it was they were like running somewhere, and it started raining, and it was like acid rain, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like oh, wow. it was they had to they had to run into some cave or something. And I actually haven't gotten to that episode yet, um, and watching the Blu-rays. I I'm yeah. remembering this from like back in 1980. <laughs> but because because the the whole acid rain thing was such a big deal yeah, back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I cuz they they used they used to have this thing um uh so, like something in the news that they would like do little digests for kids and they would talk about certain things going on in the world and one time they they were talking about acid rain on there and how it was like coming from Canada or something. <laughs> I just remember being so terrified. <laughs> 
of rain. You're like, I'm scared of rain. I was, af- I was afraid I totally of rain. When it rained, I thought yeah. it was going to be acid rain because I saw the rain on Thundar. There were killer bees that were coming from South yeah. South yeah. America. Uh-huh. Like, it was a, you know, we were looking for, like, a quicksand everywhere. It was tough being a kid in the 70s yeah. and, and early 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it was. We were looking for quicksand <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> we're still looking for killer bees. We still were and murder uh, wasps and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing. You know what? Yeah, the, the the killer bees from the '80s just turned into the murder wasps of 2020. Yeah, everything is old is new again. It's a uh, reboot. The 80- <laughs> this yeah, is the worst the 80- reboot. Yet again, yet again, the '80s were still the best time for everything, even natural oh. disasters. <laughs> Peak of creativity, that's for sure. That is true. That is true. And you know what was. Fucking pretty fucking creative as as far as a concept goes. Not quite sure if it executed well in toy form. I have lots of thoughts on that. But Visionaries was a really creative concept. Visionaries, Knights of the Magical. Visionaries, magical powers, they fight. Magical powers, they fight. Boom, boom. So when I was like eight years old, and if we haven't already, maybe we'll play like a sound clip in this episode of me playing with my toys. Um, I recorded myself singing the theme song to this show because I loved it so much. I was like eight years old. No, I must have been. No, I must have been older than that. So I must have been 11. Wow, that's a trip. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And it was only on for 13 episodes. It was like. Corey said it was a it was a vehicle to sell toys. Hasbro was putting out the toys. Uh, they were slightly larger than GI Joe. They were not three and three quarter. I think they might have actually been four inches. So they're slightly bigger. Uh, unlike Cops toy line, which Cops, was yeah, they were big. which is also in the same universe, by the way, of GI Joe Transformers and Visionaries. Um, I think Cops toy line might have been five inches. But these were like slightly larger than G.I. Joe's, which was a bummer because you couldn't really combine the two if you were doing scale. You Would know? you say they had uh, more girth? They had more girth. <laughs> but yeah, Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light was a very short-lived cartoon. Uh, apparently, it, it's kind of it's been around. Uh, IDW did a crossover comic series hmm. uh, in, the, in the 2000s with Transformers. And there was a... Uh, short-lived comic book series from star comics which was like they always star comics would do like chuck norris karate command they did all the cartoons like they did mask spiral zone chuck norris karate commandos and i think Uh, they must have gotten bought i think because i feel like mask was produced by marvel back in the maybe they got bought by marvel but yeah mask uh, idw does the mask comics now okay yeah yeah so all of those like they did like little mini series i have all those mini series of mask and spiral zone and, yeah um, chuck norris but i don't have the visionaries one i should get that um but yeah the the basic premise of this show is it's set on this uh fictional planet of prismos and it's a futuristic society where suddenly uh, all three suns align and they knock out all technology on the planet. And so now they're living like medieval times. And um, there is this 
mystical wizard who shows up named Merkin. I mean, Merklin. And uh, I did it on purpose, by the way. If you, don't, if you don't know what a Merkin is. <laughs> yes. Mer- Merklin, who looks a lot like um, the wizard in the Dungeons and Dragon LJN toy line. He yeah, ex- just except like he's him. taller. Yeah, he's just yeah, taller. Much taller. Um, and he basically tells the the two factions, which are the uh, Spectral Knights, the good guys, and the Darkling Lords, the bad guys, that he can give them magical powers if they compete in this game uh, that he's set up. Which, for me, the pilot is phenomenal because it's yeah. it, it's it's a quest, and I love a good quest. And and uh, I like how he doesn't care, like he doesn't care about bad guy or good guy. He gives the, the it's for everybody, and yes. you know, and he's like trying to bring magic to like everybody. And you know, it, I thought that was really really cool. I dug that a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's got um, you know, he basically pits all these warriors against each other, and whoever survives the games gets magical powers. Um, and along the way, you're introduced to different characters in the show. Uh, which is interesting that the main character of the show, Leoric, who is voiced by Neil Ross. And if you don't know who Neil Ross is, um, besides being um, Shipwreck on G.I. Joe and Buzzer <laughs> and Monkey Wrench. Shipwreck, like one of the most unique voices on G.I. Joe. <laughs> basically, his his parody of Jack Nicholson. Um, he's also the voice of Springer in Transformers the movie. Uh, and then the the season three um, hook and slag it, just a bunch of different transformer cartoons but he was also on Voltron he was the voice of Keith and Jeff wow. um, he was on sectars in humanoids he played John Rambo in Rambo in humanoids uh, he was Herc Armstrong Centurions he was Ace McCloud the leader he was on Galaxy High um, he played Dusty on gi joe as well i mean the guy has been oh he he was in defenders of the earth he played mean gene okerlin and hulk hogan's <laughs> rock and wrestling so i mean this this dude is like the minute you hear his british kind of leader voice you're like oh shit that's the guy but the cool thing is leoric is the leader of the visionaries but he it's it's it feels very balanced uh, with the different characters on the show. And so uh, specifically the pilot I'm talking about, this quest that they go on, they go on through different challenges. And along each challenge, you see the attributes coming out of every main character right so like one is super fast and he ends up getting the power of a cheetah uh one is very um uh like he's a he's he's like a weaselish boot licking he's a boot licking king is, is that mortred is that mortred mortred yeah and, and that's played he, by jonathan harris from fucking lost in space lost in space wow amazing and he's so good he's so good he play he gets turned into a beetle he gets the power of a beetle um because you can like step on him i guess i i really actually kind of liked the mordred character i know that they it's it's kind of silly to have a silly character but in the pilot i really liked what they did with the mordred character i thought he was actually kind of fun yeah the the, the um the, the 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 tropes of this show very much follow transformers and gi joe and like they're it's very cliche like it almost feels like they just took like gi joe characters and put them in medieval times right in a sense like gi joe versus cobra i don't have a problem with that because i love gi joe so much but if you don't like those shows then this wouldn't be the right one for you but um 
it, it's it along the way you you see all their powers come out and at the end uh when they when they finish the challenge merkin merklin uh gives uh all of the main characters attributes and then gives them a power staff and this is interesting because in the toy line not all the the toy line um the characters would get like a a a, a, a an image on their chest like a hologram and then they get a staff but then there are some figures that didn't get those because they were like in charge of vehicles typically and so the ones that don't get staffs are like, how come we didn't get a staff? And Mer- <laughs> they actually Merklin's address like, that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, you'll get your something, and you'll get something else even better. Ooh. <laughs> um, before I get to all the attributes and whatnot, uh, Flint Dill was the creator of this. Flint Dill obviously is a big, obviously, he's big, the huge part, huge part of GI Joe and Transformers, the Sunbow team. Um, Buzz Dixon scripted a bunch of episodes of this show as well, and Buzz Dixon was a writer for Thundar. Transformers. And... He was a writer for Thundar also. Oh, Thundar also, but I yeah. mean, G.I. Joe, Transformers, that whole Sunbow franchise, um, those guys did all this shit, right? And so he, every time he, I he see also wrote for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. I mean, that dude, Buzz Dixon, is a big name in big uh, video, name. Uh, video uh, uh, cartoon writing. And and very if you follow if you follow him online he's very funny too he's political and uh, leans towards my political leanings as well so <laughs> we should try to talk to him we should try to get him on the show yeah we should get him on the show actually I probably can do that um, but yeah so I love this uh, before just picking going back to the beginning of the episode when they're trying to figure out like ways to make new technology before the wizard shows up. There's like a scientist who wheels in this catapult to um, Darkstorm, who's the main bad guy, and it's a it's a catapult run by guinea pigs. <laughs> it's like, ah, and guinea pigs will make this go, and they're like, because we have no more electricity. <laughs> it throws it in the trash. Um, so yeah, they they compete in this tournament, and after the tournament, uh, characters get like the the power of an eagle. Um, the good guys get. Good guys get like eagles, cheetahs, fox, wolf, dolphin, right, and then and bear, and then ultimately lion, leoric. The villains get uh, like a gorilla, uh, a phylot, which is I think it's a fictional character that they just like a dragon or dinosaur that they made up for the show, right? Yeah, that, yeah, I think that yeah that was a thing that was made up or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, like I said, a beetle. Um, a, a shark and armad and then you get into like armadillo and you're like well that's an interesting choice of all the animals you could choose you chose an armadillo okay <laughs> but then you get with the main villain of the show he gets the power of a mollusk <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> why <laughs> yeah so um you know, it's very interesting choice there, but and then and then the wizards like you know when you need them, when you need them, you'll use them, but they're slightly uncontrollable, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> we can't control these powers. We just got. It's kind of funny. And then uh, he gives each of them staffs, right? The, the main guys, and the staffs contain the power of wisdom, truth, light speed, knowledge, decay, strength, destruction, fear, and vulnerability. And one of the staffs uh, is, is used in, at the tail end of the episode in a cliffhanger, um, the Staff of Wisdom, which is basically like it looks like a Greek myth- mythological character 
in a hologram form comes out and he tells um, his his bearer, the guy that holds him, I think it might be uh, Feral, who's the wolf, or Ek- I think it's Ektar actually, and uh, in, in, you know helps him see the truth in what he's trying to find out. And what he's trying to find out is if this princess that is asking for help, what, her, uh, if she's really a princess or not, and it turns out it's not, it is, uh, Vera, Vera, who is the, uh, one of the uh, bad guys, the, um, your, your typical like Baroness esque, you know, uh, evil female, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's totally Baroness and, uh, and like right down to ripping off the, um, the costume. Right. Yeah. And what I love that she, she's one of the darklings. Right. And, um, and the staffs that they can use need to be recharged. They only can be used once and then they need to be recharged back at Merkin's, uh, uh, temple. Right. It's it's, it's very it's kind of Shazamish a little bit with this, you know, wizard guy kind of giving them powers and everything. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like, look this this show, like I said, only lasted for thirteen episodes. Uh, it's it's there's a bunch of cliffhanger episodes, you know, to be continued. I think all thirteen are available online on YouTube. If not, um, if you're really hungry for this series, there is a dude on eBay that's selling a, a box set. Um, it's not that expensive. I don't think I kind of want to get it now. Cause I just love, <laughs> I love toy tie in shows. I love yeah. dino riders and sky, uh, commanders and, you know, I love all this shit. So for me, uh, visionaries is, is, is a fun show. It, it's totally about selling a product, but I don't know. There's an edge to it too. And just hearing the voice actors for me, like the nostalgia factor is so high. Cause I was so into this toy line and yeah. the toy line was not that great. Um, but it was a nevertheless fun and they were very poseable. So there you go. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody. Co-host Corey here to tell you about our exciting new partnership with 80s Tees, the one-stop shop for all your licensed nostalgic t-shirts. Right now, when you enter BFOP at the checkout, you get 30% off your entire order. That's right, you can get an awesome Photon t-shirt, like the one I have, which you can see on our Instagram page, or any of their other licensed designs at a discount when you enter BFOP at checkout. That's 80stees.com and BFOP at checkout for 30% off your entire order. And now, back to the show. I mean, rewatching it now, again, knowing that it's kind of made for a toy line, I found the cartoon to be very enjoyable, uh, very well done. I, I liked all the characters. I liked what they were doing. I liked their designs. I liked the world that they build. They had a very strong property. Uh, and I remember as a kid, I watched the cartoon. I loved the cartoon. I thought the designs of the toys looked cool. I thought the packaging looked cool, but I never owned any because ultimately they, you know, they didn't transform into the things that they like. So I get it. And I totally yeah. understand. I was like, as a kid, I was like, I get it. But I almost feel like I wish they came with like a little clear plastic rubbery 
version of uh, like a little extra toy instead of the staff like all right even now the staff thing is is total crap to me like the, yeah. that's, there's no play there's no play value in that staff take that money and then mold a little like armadillo like a clear colored armadillo that matches not it doesn't have any movement to it it's just a plastic piece but give me that instead give me their their visual representation so that i can play with that and pretend they transform into that because the fact that they didn't, I was just like, ah, it just, it didn't get me. It just didn't hook me like that. But I love the colors. I love the design of it. Um, I also see it's kind of the same as Supernaturals uh, for me as well as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I can't well, wait yeah. to talk about that one day with you as well. Um, because it, they, they kind of fall under these these toy categories of toys that I would stare at when, when my stepmom would just leave me in Toys R Us. <laughs> and I would just stare at the toys and I would stare at the packaging, but I never owned any, you know? Well, and, I was... I was going to say, too, in regards to what you're saying about the animals and not because because that is a component of the show that they would transform into whatever uh, spectral animal they were given. Yeah, it's the same gripe I had with Silverhawk toys. That, yes, same the, thing that yeah. they didn't come with masks to yes. put over their faces when they could go into space. So you're like, oh, I guess Quicksilver can never go into space. Otherwise, he'll die because uh, he doesn't have his space mask and i think i said that on when we were we've talked about that before on tv obscura yeah um i didn't have any silverhawks toys either because of that one of two reasons and that being one of it um yeah same thing so for visionaries truly for me i would i wish they had a little plastic even if the the lion right or the bear they're all the same size it wouldn't have bothered me I just wish they had something. And so, therefore, there was a little bit of a barring for me to get into it. But watching it now, I think it's a really cool-looking design, like, characters. I think it's neat that every single one of their armor is different. As from an animation standpoint, that can't be easy to do. Because at least, no. like, with, like, Cobra Grunts, you can probably just copy and paste, you know, and change their sizes and stuff like that. But here, they're all different. They all have their own personalities. It's actually really really slick it really is for a show that's you know meant to sell toys they put a lot of thought into it i wish it went past 13 episodes to be truthful with you yeah me too and and i just want to before uh diallo jumps in i just want to say um this this show you know has peter cullen obviously yeah. who who peter cullen is optimus prime yeah. um who and chris lotta who was Cobra Commander? So, oh yeah, yeah, uh, you know, he was he was the red guy. He was uh, he had the red armor or something like that. I think he was the armadillo maybe or something. But yeah, yeah you can totally hear recon. you can totally hear fucking Cobra Commander's voice from a so mile cool. away. So cool, and, and, <laughs> and you know what I love what I love about all that too is is these shows like Visionaries and Humanoids, um, uh, uh, you know, obviously GI Joe and. Uh, oh, and Centurions and uh, Rambo, Sectars, they reused a lot of it, a lot of these actors because it was like a Marvel property that was run by Sunbow. Yeah. And it just was so cool to see, like, hear their voices again. It just, and, and the music is really dramatic, too, in the same way. And I don't know. I, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, I... I as a cartoon standalone, yes, yeah. it's, it's so good. Cool cartoon, yeah. I just I just didn't invest in the toys. That's all. But I would yep. totally rewatch this show. Uh, yeah, if I had like the Blu-ray or something. Uh, Diallo, before we get your thoughts on it, I just I did want to remind you. I was looking through. I saw the Buzz Dixon uh, uh, page open on IMDb. He worked on the Mighty Orbots as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and listen to our TV Obscure episode on Mighty yeah. Orbots. Uh, Diallo, definitely have to have my, him on. 
Visionaries, buddy. Did you ever watch this back in the day? Yeah, so um, I was like in high school by that point. Um, so I was obviously still watching cartoons, but um, I was past <laughs> the point where I was I was like playing with toys, basically. So um, I remember when it came out, and um, they they were the ones they had the holograms too, right? Is that that was yeah. their whole deal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was part of so like my my intersection with the show is a little bit different because it was I remember not quite feeling I had the time for it because it didn't quite pop um the toys didn't like look cool because I I did have my so my brother is like way younger than I am so he was still getting toys so like the toys that I thought were cool that he got I would still play with those (laughs) Mm -hmm. so like he got like the centurions and he was still getting like some G.I. Joe's so I'd still play with some of those toys but like the visionaries wasn't i i and i feel like because everything was hinging on like the holograms because at the time that was like kind of like a new and um stuff in it but it wasn't quite like it didn't quite hit to the way i think they wanted it to hit um but i wanted to i did want to talk a little bit about because i do remember i i think it came on at least in the bay area it came on sundays and it was a part of a block of cartoons um, okay. that they had. I think that's where Jim started until Jim took off and then it started being syndicated regularly. Um, there was another one called Bigfoot and the Micro Machines. And <laughs> yeah. um, there was another one, like maybe it was Robotics or something. I can't remember. But because when I watched the pilot oh, episode. Oh, yeah, Robotics. When, I yeah, robotics was cool too. Yeah, when I watched the pilot episode and it, ended in a cliffhanger that it this whole thing sparked for me because i was like oh yeah because like i think that they would do that and like you would have to wait till the next week and then but then sometimes the next week it wouldn't have that episode it would be one of the other cartoons and like i wouldn't quite know which ones were going to come on um comic strip comic strip did a little bit of yeah that comic too. strip did that too which is why i never yeah. i only saw like a few episodes of tiger sharks that was the only one i wanted to watch and uh <laughs> i mean you didn't want to get down with the street frogs yeah with the street frogs yeah <laughs> um but anyways no but i i thought that was that was a part of i think that that lent itself to why the cartoon didn't um continue because it did there wasn't like any real momentum and i felt like that that was those block of shows were sort of like a test ground to see what would hit, which is again, like Jim was the one out of all those that took off. So that became its own thing, but like Bigfoot and the micro machines and visionaries didn't quite like get to where they, I think they wanted it to go, but I also, but I really thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And robotics, but I actually did really think it was cool that, that the whole cliffhanger part and having to like wait till the next week, it's kind of like in hindsight, like you don't ever really see that. And, um, I thought that that part was kind of cool. So um, if it, it's it's the kind of thing that, again, like, you know, one of the themes of the show, it's like um, if they, they could do that now and probably get away with it. But back then, it just that was kind of like it was like a little bit of a kiss of death, I think. Yeah, because you're you're, you know, G.I. Joe and Transformers did that as well. Miniseries cliffhangers. Yeah. but they you had the next day the very to figure next out day what yeah. happened the very yeah. next day versus a week where 
kids would just tap out back then. They're like, man, I got something else I got to do on yeah. Sundays, you know, and they're not in, as invested. I totally remember that now. Yeah, because it, it did. It premiered on Sunday, September yeah. 20th, 1987. Yeah. Um, wow. What a what a what a trip to think about yeah because i remember again they didn't make any cool toys for bigfoot because mm-hmm. i was like make a guy make a bigfoot guy where's the bigfoot guy to go in the go in the, the bigfoot yeah you know robotics was a badass toy if, if you if you guys listeners don't know what robotics is that toy was awesome it, it was basically like tinker toys with with like a storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robotics was cool as shit. So cool. And they were plastic. They weren't yeah. metal. Which and there was, made I think there was, there, there was a comic book. I think Marvel put out yeah, a robotics yeah. comic yep. book. Yeah, I had. Yeah. That was pretty, so that was a pretty good, pretty good book. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of revisit oh, those toys were so cool. And they were like, they, you, you, you plug in a power source and they have like a, like moving things, yeah, you know, with motors and, and shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so cool. I, I would recreate aliens because the, the little, uh, astronaut that would come with them was kind of he kind of looked a little bit like the uh, John Hurt's astronaut, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So you brought back strong memories about that in YouTube, Corey. That you you know the toy line. I never had a lot of the figures. I had a couple of them. I think I was starting to get to the point where I wasn't buying toys consistently as much. Um, the the company well Hasbro. Uh, put out a, you know, um, like anniversary box set or San Diego Comic-Con exclusive box set a few years ago with a Leoric figure, uh, the more modern three and three quarters. So he fits with the the 25th anniversary G.I. Joes and so badass. The colors just pop. Yeah. And he, you know, wasn't my favorite per se. Um, I wasn't a fan of like mustaches on dudes. <laughs> I don't know why. I am now. And now I look at him like, oh, he's cool. But then I wasn't super huge about that. Um, and I think Rom, they made a three and three quarter figure oh. of Rom, the oh, yeah. robot. Yeah, I love Rom. Series. Uh, Scott, our buddy Scott Zillner lo- loves Rom too, I know. Yeah, he loves his Rom. But I had a yeah. couple Rom comics as a kid. That was another yeah. Marvel property that was like a weird thing where like, there was a toy of it, and then they turned it into like a comic or something. But yeah, I, I don't know the full story on Rom, but it's one of those weird things where it's not—it wasn't created by Marvel, you know. So I don't know if they have the rights to it anymore. I don't think but, they have the rights to it anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, I always I would love the, the design. I would love to see it as a actually as a series or a movie. Actually, I think it had the. It had like the stuff for it, like yeah, um, they were fighting sure. the, the dire race and. Um, I I feel like IDW put out a rom comic or something recently, maybe maybe rebooted or something. I feel like there was something modern rom happening, but yeah, mm-hmm. some rom com, rom com. But uh, Zach, you mentioned that the 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 care the the bold mm. color choices. Even when I was watching the cartoon for Visionaries, I, I remembered how like strong and and bold those colors were for those characters and. You know, and, and and honestly, I thought the designs were cool. I thought the I thought the helmets kind of had a Mantech vibe to them. Uh, some like rounded helmets, some like flat front faced helmets. Very very Mantech. If you guys remember that that toy line, Mantech. It, I don't remember that toy line, but I do remember it, some of the the Darklings uh, reminded me of Mask. Yeah, that's a mass, uh, cartoon mass aspect masks. to it. Yeah, but the but the the you know the spectral knights most of their masks were open face, yeah. so you can see their beautiful fachas. Of course, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, don't 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 hide the the dark guys, the darklings, you know. But um, 
But, but yeah. yeah, I love. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just was say, Corey, I'm looking at the Mantex now, and I totally remember these. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mantex. They totally, yeah. They Mantec. totally look like uh, visionaries. Yeah, there's, um, there's some design uh, influences there, I think, because I think Mantec came out before that too. Well, you're saying too, uh, you know, um, the the you brought up Supernaturals, and they're for a minute uh, holograms were all the rage mm-hmm. when it came to. Uh, you know, all the rage when it came to toy lines. And it, it was and, it was like holograms and then those heat stickers, meaning like so you could see if it was it, it was no his um Battle Beast had that. Remember? You'd put your finger yeah, on that Battle little Be- sticker thing and then you could see it would reveal if the from the heat it would reveal if they were fire, if they were wood or water. But even Transformers had that where they had the sticker it, yeah. and you to push on this like push on it because it's heat activated. Autobot. Yeah, and you could see what they were. So it's like it was like that uh, uh, that kind of technology, hologram technology, and glow in the dark were like the three big like toy gimmicky things that you could do. Yeah, yeah, and it was it, in and it didn't always translate. Obviously, with with visionaries, the the staffs were silly to an extent. Um, I you know these guys are carrying around basically like these these field goal markers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like the, the the ten yard line. I'm looking at Diallo's 49er shirt. That's all I could think of. They're like goal <laughs> marker stands. You know, um, this long stick with a giant thing on top that they would stick in their on their back, and it was silly. Um, but going back to the pilot episode, one of my favorite things to see in cartoons, and it connects with Tarzan and also connects with Thundar, is seeing action sequences of these of them jumping around and like having to, you know, scale a cliff or or climbing up a rope, because that's what I did with your with the toys, you know, and, and it's exactly yeah. like you want these scenarios of like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna do that with my couch where the guy's climbing up up the couch and it's the, you know. And so this opening has that because it's a tournament, you know, and and it's not every episode is as strong as this one. But, man, it's just good stuff. Really, really good stuff. So I'm glad I was able to bring it to the table because when originally we were tossing around ideas of like Saturday morning cartoon or just cartoons in general, I wanted something to link these your two cartoons. I'm like, okay. So how about a medieval post-apocalyptic? Yeah, that'll work. Okay, yeah. cool. So yeah, visionaries here to stay. And I also like that we, you know, we saw the evolution, you know, from Tarzan to visionaries over the course of like ten years. You see how the animation, you know, kind of stays the same. Um, how yeah. they use some of the animation, but how like. I guess the the motivation for the show changes uh, over time from like we're going to have this property that we can sell and then obviously the motivation is probably for ads, you know, selling ads and stuff like that. Where uh, you know, as far as business goes, whereas later, you know, when you get to visionaries almost 10 years later, it's the motivation isn't probably so much for selling ads as it is for selling toys. And uh, it's just interesting to see how that went along and and how it all evolved and changed, but as far as all three of these shows go, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a weak one in the bunch. I think Tarzan was awesome. I very much enjoyed my time with it and I kind of I don't like the Tarzan thing. Like I've never cared about Tarzan. Uh, I've seen the Aunt Disney movie. I thought it was enjoyable, but I've like seen it once. I never this, saw it. This I really really enjoyed. If I were to watch any Tarzan, 
I would want it to be this. I think the animation was freaking awesome. And I think that they really earnestly tried to tell a story and do something. And at the same time, they were aware that, you know, they're for kids and they're going to try to give a moral and everything. And I think that Tarzan was just the total package, to be truthful with you. The animation was fantastic and I liked what they did with it. Uh, Thundar is in, an, I think it's in a league all by itself. I think it's just. I think it's just an example of what you can really do with animation and visionaries, man. I think we you you watch this cartoon and I think there's more there than just trying to sell toys. I think it has a very they have very strong designs, very good animation, top tier voice acting. Even though it's only 13 episodes, I think they really tried to put some effort into it. It did. It does not feel like a cash grab. It just doesn't feel like that. And that's what I think sets it apart. I think it, they could have gone further with it. I think the toys, I, I told you what I think would have made them be better. And that's all they needed. You know, everything else I think was fine about them. So I, all three of these cartoons I thought were super fucking cool. And I highly recommend anybody go out and check out every one of these. Diallo, what are, what are your thoughts on all of them? Yeah, the, you know, one of the things that I realized, um, you know, I made the connection between the post-apocalyptic um, uh, fantasies telling, but all of them had like a strong fantasy element to them. Yeah. Um, that was yeah. one of the things about Tarzan that it's almost always missed in any interpretation that's been done outside of the original cartoon is that Tarzan was a lot of it was like him going to lost cities and they're like aliens and that kind of stuff. And that's what a lot of the cartoon was. It wasn't the, just the, this guy in the jungles in Africa. That's sort of like just the first story, which if you ever read the original book, it's kind of racist, actually. Just throwing that out there. Wait a minute. <laughs> you mean a, a book from that era is racist? Yeah, like it's like, it's like I, I remember reading it once and I was like, holy, like Jesus. Like, woo. Anyways, um. But, you know, after Hollywood's it, fascinated with Tarzan, though, right, Diallo? Hollywood is fascinated with Tarzan. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's, um, you know, because it was, I think the first one, it came out in 1898. I think it was published then. So it was relatively, like, right when Hollywood was starting to take off, that was, like, it was big as a as pulp novels. And so it yeah. was kind of ripe to, to start making... Um, movies and serials and stuff and you know as time goes on it just kind of like people remembered it and they get nostalgic so it comes back every once in a while i think the latest version was uh with um Skarsgård, i think he uh oh was a movie with yeah. Him yeah. yeah 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 and have, have you have you ever seen uh graystoke the one yeah. with uh, yeah with yeah. uh yeah with in, highlander with saw the, it yeah. in the theater yeah, yeah. yeah. lambert yeah. Was that any good? I I never. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they, they they tried to do like a serious version of it, right? Yeah. yeah they always try different uh, like takes on Tarzan and. Yeah. Christopher Lambert's. He. I love him. I love him. Don't get me wrong. He's not that great of an actor, guys. He's no. not that great of an actor. Well, he's fucking. He's fucking blind too. <laughs> he's blind. But he does his whole like. <laughs> I'm French. <laughs> I'm Raiden. <laughs> Oh my god. Now, time. He was great Shing. in Subway though. He was great in Subway. I love No, I I love him in Subway. I love him in Highlander. I love him in Fortress. I love him in Night Moves, which is a cool movie. Uh totally Lady forgot Beware. About Fortress. That was a good movie. I no, that was, that was a Stuart good. That was a Stuart Gordon film. Stuart Gordon. Whoop whoop. But anyways, yeah, sorry. Digressions. 
digressions from no, Zach. No, but it's a uh, you know not not to get and I put in my my uh, my English literature hat real quick, but like it it is sort of like it's the it's like a basic sort of story about when man goes into the wilderness and kind of like finds his true self. It's the same the same idea behind like Hawkeye and um, Last of the Mohicans and yeah. and other stories. And I, yeah. that's that's kind of especially when the United States was coming out of like it was coming out of its uh wilderness phase and it was it was becoming modernized and they they had this nostalgic look back to that time. So that I think that's really where the uh, fascination with it came from and then, you know, it's continued on um it's it's dying out, but the you know the influence of it is dying out because the people that were really into it have passed on, and yeah. like people like myself, I saw it as a cartoon, and I still have fond memory of it. But I also, like I said, like I it's it it depending on how you approach it, it can be very racist, and they do a good job of like avoiding all that stuff, which is one thing I was really impressed by the cartoon by how they completely made it palpable palatable for um all sort of like all races to watch it um they avoided all the problematic stuff um but uh anyways that's i think that's just what where what the appeal is you know i'm just thinking of like uh didn't they do a a live action with uh what's his face angina man encino man Oh no, uh, that was um George. That was the George of the Jungle. Oh, that was the yeah. spoof of Tarzan, the, the parody version. But the, of yeah, Tarzan. but then I'm thinking of like you're right. Like I think specifically Disney's got a boner for for like people in the jungle. Like I think of well, Jungle Book. And, well, I think and, I think uh, I, I hear I, you know what I think they have a fucking boner for um, royalty free stories. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one actually that they can so they, they appropriate. Yeah, that actually isn't wrote. To, so they, it's. I don't think it's in public domain. Maybe the original story is, but it's the characters owned by the uh, William S. Burroughs uh, um, estate still. So oh, okay. that's actually cool. that's actually one of the reasons why the cartoon hasn't really been released um, past season one because they still own it somehow. And I think the rights are also tied up a little bit in like you just brought up Disney. I think there's some rights that belong there too, but yeah, they, it's one of those things. I think when Disney got copyright law extended um, <laughs> to, to benefit them, I think I somehow the Burroughs family still like retains the rights to it. It's been over a hundred years since the first story came out though. So yeah. 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 And it was written by what is it, Edgar Rice Burroughs is Tarzan. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Zach, uh, your overall th- thoughts on the three three shows? I'm just I, I I'm glad uh, I'm I'm realizing now I was originally going to choose Black Star as mine because I was like I was going to go with tan white dudes or the <laughs> yeah, trifecta yeah. tan white dudes, uh, but I'm glad I went with Visionaries, which is a little more. They're all actually they're all white in that too. It's yeah. messed up. I mean, I mean we're, you're going to bring Black Star to the table one of these days. Yeah, oh, I, I love Black I, Star. I, I Black love Star. Black Star, man. I, he I, is John I can't Black Star. We till we talk about that one. I can't wait. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, my final thoughts are just I love Lou Scheimer, uh, the the guy who ran Filmation. He's just such a, you know, if you if anybody's interested in reading the backstory of of a of kind of an outsider to Disney because Disney has always been the juggernaut and then Warner brothers too, at the time, um, someone who took a chance and wanted to bring some moral values to, to 
children's television. Um, check him out. Like check out his autobiography. You can get it on Amazon. It's really cheap. But yeah, I, I love all three of these. I'm gonna watch all them as much as I can. And you know, I do Saturday morning cartoons with uh, with my son. So Visionaries and and Thunder and Tarzan will make their way. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that sound like Rip Rip Taylor? Hello, 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 boys. <laughs> hello, boys. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, this was awesome, guys. I I love our cartoon episodes because they're also the prep work is a little bit easier than our uh, hour long ones, you know, drama shows. But uh, I do love revisiting these cartoons because. Cartoons were a big deal for me as a kid, and I think all three of us, like, I think I can speak for both of you, uh, all three of us loved cartoons, we loved growing up watching them and everything, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying revisiting them, giving, a, like, giving me a reason to go back and actually watch them and pay attention, you know, and everything, and even today I was like, I was like, oh, you know, I should probably watch that behind the scenes on Thundar, you know, thing, and I'm like, okay, I should, because... If I don't watch it now, I'm never going to watch it. Even <laughs> though I own it, I'm never going to fucking watch it. So I watched it. It was awesome. Highly recommend picking it up. But I just love checking out all these shows. And then even shows that I've never seen, like the Tarzan one. And uh, it's so much fun. And again, like I said, I, I think the Tarzan one is fucking awesome. Um, but... I do think we are going to try to have another TV Obscura episode coming at you guys um, probably sooner than we normally do. TV Obscura is usually once a month. Um, but we're going to try to get a Halloween episode in. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Boys will be talking about offline what we're going to do. We haven't <laughs> figured that out yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, check that out when it comes around. And, uh, of course, check out all everything that Diallo is doing. I'll have links and the show notes and of course check out everything uh zach is doing over a two dollar late fee and the, those guys plugged at the beginning so i'll just plug uh the bfop network now and say hey go check out cartwright a seinfeld podcast where my buddy adam and i are going through every single episode of seinfeld and talking about them and we are like halfway through season seven so we're over a hundred episodes talking about Seinfeld, and we're also talking about Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. And uh, I hope you guys and gals all check out, you know, uh, Talking Back, Action Action, Blast from Our Past, Throwback Trivia Takedown, People Don't Forget, and everything that the BFOP Network uh, offers. And uh, yeah, it's great, great fun. Love doing TV Obscura with you guys. I say it every episode because I mean it and I don't think that there's anything wrong in saying that I love doing this with you guys so there's nothing it, wrong there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a little TV obscura yeah you were, you were not allowed to make any harmonizing of that person's song anymore. <laughs> as, of, as of today <laughs> It's off limits. <laughs> Harmonization is off limits. <laughs> Ooh, I won't obscure it up. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. And as always, catch you on the obscure side. Oh, hello, boys. Hello, boys. Cut.
Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there, I'm A.D. Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The winter tell is almost here.